from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast, and it is Perry over here, Michelle over here, and Mark over here. <laughs> Our oak promotion. Maybe that's me. <laughs> How's it going today? Awesome sauce. Very good. It is awesome, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we have very little to talk about. What? Well, <laughs> it's not good. That's, that's, not, that's interesting, that's, isn't it? That's well. Sometimes it's quiet time, but not on air. I just got back from Georgia Tiny House Festival. Oh, we should talk about that then. We could. How was it? It was one of the best festivals I've been to so far. Wow. And why is that? Well, I think it's just the overall, the crowd control, the parking, the layout, the bathroom. You know, I mean, that's the organizational function. Right. That's what makes a really good festival is like no drama. You know, you got food trucks, you got some tables, got some vendors, got some tiny houses. The weather was fantastic. Of course. Of course. The weather was fantastic. That was very, very cool. Um, I had my own stretch limo golf cart <laughs> that I drove <laughs> okay. around. I, I shuttled people back <coughs> and forth from one side to the other. And uh, so it was really, really fun. It was great, except for the whole thing. That whole notion that, you know, the whole southern hospitality thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, not yeah, not happening. What? It wasn't happening. No, if I wasn't at the festival, um, I I went to a bar, for instance, and and they kind of looked at me like I was an alien. Oh, how's that? Why is that? Um, I think it was just I think it just in general they just maybe don't appreciate outsiders. So weird. It was, but it was a, it's a it. The, a couple of guests back, they talked about that town. It's a really small town, wasn't it? it was Pink or something like that, wasn't it? No, called? no, this isn't Pink Hill. This was oh. uh, Eatonton. Okay. So it's about an hour and a half southeast of Atlanta. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very, very small town. Farm, basically, kind of farm country. Yeah. Um, and I went to this bar called Who Cares All Bar No Girl Don't Ask. So you walked in and everything got silent. Yeah, and like the guy sitting next to me like turned his back to me and the bartender was super rude. Wait, wait, wait. The are you sure Were you in New York? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Are you He don't turned his back in like intentionally to thwart you or did he have to like sneeze or No. Oh no. He no, was talking no, no, to no, someone no. else on the other side. Oh no, no, no. He I, was the long story, well not long story, but the story. I mean, they were clearly clearly rude. As a matter of fact, at one point Right before I left, actually, this chick came up to me totally out of the blue. I hadn't (coughs) talked to her. We had no reference whatsoever. She came up to me and was like, not in my face, but definitely in my space, and said, just so you know, fags make me gag. (laughs) Why would she have said that? Wow. I have no idea. Well, it could have been payback because I decided that um, I wanted to listen to something that wasn't country music. Oh, boy. And you I, went to the jukebox and put your own music on? Oh, God. And I actually, that was my sort of retribution for how they were treating me. So if you want to piss off an entire Georgia bar of Hicks, worth of Hicks, all at the same time, play three Skrillex songs in a row. Three what? Skrillex. Do you know what that is? I think I use it to clean dish- <laughs> dishes, I think. 
So I played three Skrillex songs, couple Lady Gaga. Oh, there you go. What was the other one? Was the third one? Justin Timberlake. Oh yeah, Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake. I'm surprised they even had those songs in there. Well, they didn't. That was the point. Is they had one of those downloadable. (laughs) So I'm sitting at the bar downloading the songs and playing them on the jukebox. So I don't know that they quote unquote knew it was me necessarily. But they were very, very angry with hmm. the bartender. They told him to smash it and unplug it. And They wow. did? Oh, yeah. They were really mad. They were like, what the fuck is this shit? They were really, really mad. But that was my retribution for how they were treating me. Wow. It was crazy. Hostile. It That's was incredible. crazy hostile. It was crazy hostile. But, uh, again, I think maybe they just don't like outsiders in general. I yeah. don't think I take it too personally. No. It's not like, I had, not like they knew me. They no, it wasn't who you were. It was what you were representing. Right. Portland. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the um what's that what's that um bizarro world or alter oh, universe yeah, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like wow. The devil went down to Georgia. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, wow. it was it was bizarre. It was called a fag. <laughs> it was bizarre. It was pretty weird, but but wow. it was but it gave me a great story to tell and uh, other than that though, I don't want to focus on that, but other than that, the festival itself, the accommodations, the company uh, that went really well. How I many people were there? Um, I don't know. I mean, <coughs> the so I don't know. I would guess thumb in the air, finger in the air, wind in the air. Um, I don't know, maybe fifteen, twenty thousand, maybe. Huh. And last That's year they had lot, last so year they had five thousand. Okay, so they did really well. Nice. So I think they did really well this yeah. year. Definitely, definitely, uh, way more than five. Very cool. Did they charge admission? They did. Huh, interesting. They did, and mm-hmm. they, yes, they did. So, um, and like I said, though, it was really well handled. All the crowds, you know, were handled well, mm-hmm. and, and uh, no drama, and everything went great. Interesting. Very cool. They also had a lot of, a big variety of tiny houses. They had schoolies, um, they had school buses, and they had tiny houses, and they had vintage RVs, and, um, yeah. Wow. They, all, everything was oh, all no holds barred correct on the tiny and house a- front. yeah and hgtv was there filming so i got oh. to hang out with trevor gray oh nice um he was there filming as well and a little name dropping mm-hmm. boom you know who trevor gray is of course that's why i said name dropping <laughs> well he's now the producer trevor gray is now the producer of one of the hgtv tiny house shows so that usually means that they f- secure the funding or fund it- Usually means they watch over the money. Yeah. Oftentimes. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. That they don't spend too much. Very cool. Speaking about not spending too much money. Oh, <laughs> see what you did there again. <laughs> Damn it, that's good. We have a wonderful guest today, Jennifer Baxter, who is famous uh, for, <clears throat> as all our guests are famous, but um, Jennifer is famous for a path that had led her down into the tiny house movement and Along with her, she brought her ethics with regard to simplifying life and living what she calls a fast life. And it's not like Michelle with a tattoo on your rumpus and on your car and <laughs> partying all night and day. It's a different kind of fast. And we're going to talk about that today. Welcome, Jennifer. Welcome. Hey, thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. So, Jennifer, why don't you give us a rundown? Um, how, how did you actually don't answer that question? Just give us a rundown <laughs> about who you are. What's your elevator pitch? Um, well, the whole fast life concept, it, it's actually F period, A period, S period, T period. And I did it that way because of what you just said. I actually didn't want people to think I meant living the fast life, like, you know, fast cars and high rolling and that kind of thing. So 
the concept of, of the fast life, um, which to me, you know, stands for fabulous, abundant, simple, and tiny. That whole thing started for me actually after my mother passed away. So my mom was like my best, best friend. We were attached at the hip and she passed away in September of 2013. And it was kind of unexpected. I mean, she had a stage four cancer diagnosis, Mm. but it was in, she got her diagnosis in March of 2013 and she passed away in September of 2013. Mm. So it went really fast and you always hear, you know, all the cliched statements about life is short, you know, make sure you live like you're dying and you, you hear all these things, but when you actually see it happen, literally right in front of your face it just it kind of wakes you up well you described and, you described in in your about page about how your mom was living a life of of basically hold, holding back mm-hmm. and living a life of fear yeah what what was that yes. about so after she passed away i was going through her stuff and i took some of her journals and one day i sat down on the floor and opened her journal and was reading it and she was actually saying right there in her own handwriting that she had let fear really hold her back in her life and that there were all these things that she had wanted to do or ideas that she had and she just didn't go after them because she was too afraid. And that wasn't surprising to me because knowing my mother, she was like, I always used to say she was a champion level warrior because she would just worry about absolutely everything under the sun and she kind of had started to pass that on to me. And so I'm sitting there and I'm reading this journal and I'm thinking my mom was probably about 65, 66 when she was writing this. She didn't know she was going to pass away, you know, six years later. And I thought if I'm not careful, if I don't do something different now, this is going to be me. I'm going to be 65 years old and I'm going to be saying the same stuff because I was so like her at that point that I was just, I was going to follow down that same path. So it kind of, it really shook me in that moment that I was like, okay, I have to make a change now. And it also, you know, as sappy as it might sound, it also made me sort of want to live my life differently for her because, you know, she didn't get that chance and she sort of ran out of time. So it, it definitely took the blinders off, I think, and made me realize, you know, the things that we get caught up in a lot of times are just so not important. And, you know, Again, as cliched as it sounds, like you truly, truly don't know how long you have. And she thought she still had time to live at the beach and own a convertible and do all these things that she wanted to do. And, you know, she just ran out of time. So that's when I decided that I wasn't going to live that way and I wanted to live differently. So living living on the beach and, and owning a convertible were two of the things she wanted to do that she didn't get to do? Yes. Isn't that what and, everybody wants to do? That's what you're doing. <laughs> really? What did what did you um what was it that was going on with you around that time, Jen, that had you comparing your life to hers? Like what in your life was seeming similar to your mom's? Oh gosh, everything. I um I had really been through a rough couple of years in a row. I had been in a relationship that was emotionally and a little bit physically abusive. Um And that's the same way I grew up. My dad wasn't physically abusive, but he was definitely emotionally abusive to both my mom and me and my sister. So I was definitely repeating that pattern. And 
I had broken up with this person, but I had stayed with him for just under four years. Mm. And just the daily stress of being in that kind of situation had just wreaked total havoc on my body. And I had actually gotten to the point where I had stage four adrenal fatigue. Um. So I basically, if I took a shower, like that would wear me out. Like I'd have to get out of the shower and go lay down. Wow. And then besides that, it was like, I was, you know, in debt. And that was also like my mom, my mom had credit cards for like every store on the face of the earth. And, you know, she had a lot of debt that we had to take care of when she passed away. I was doing that same thing. And I really was just living like in constant worry and anxiety. And that's why like when I read those words in her handwriting, I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. This is where I'm headed. And I had had a lot of ideas about, you know, different things I wanted to do and places I wanted to go. And I would always sort of say, oh, well, I'll do that later. I'll do that, you know, once I'm married or once I make more money or whatever. I was always like pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. And, you know, when I saw that that was what my mom had done, too, and then she didn't have time, then that was why I was like, I'm not going to end up the same way. What an, what a, an epiphany you had reading that journal. Yes. So, so, okay. So you had that experience and then, um, how did you, you obviously changed directions. What happened, what happened then? And how'd you get into a tiny house? Um, I actually was sitting at a friend's house and I was pet sitting and house sitting for her and she didn't have cable. So I was forced to just sort of surf through Netflix and I came upon this documentary called tiny Mm. and I had absolutely no idea that tiny houses even existed. I'd never heard of them. And I just thought, oh, this sounds interesting. You know, I'll, I'll watch this. And literally by the end of that, whatever, 90 minutes or whatever it was, my heart was like racing. And that was the adrenal failure. (laughs) 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 It probably wasn't very good for my adrenals, but I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, this is me. This is what I have to do because I've never really been somebody that's been too interested in stuff anyway. Like I don't, I don't have the latest iPhone. I don't even have an iPhone. I don't have an iPad. I'm, you know, not really into like shoes and purses and stuff. And so to me, like the concept of just being stripped down to what you actually need was extremely appealing. And I was in this position in the timeline of my life anyway, where I had this very modest um, inheritance from my mom. It wasn't a lot, but it was enough that I was planning on doing a down payment on just like a condo or a townhouse. And I thought, so I could use the same amount of money and put a down payment down and still be paying on this for like the next 30 years of my life. Or I could use the same amount of money and I could actually own a house and have no mortgage payment, no rent payment. And that just to me was like the clincher. And I really felt like my mom would be super proud of that because I had used part of the money to pay off all my credit cards. I bought a car outright, which just happened to be a VW Beetle convertible, which is what she always wanted. Oh, wow. That was kind of like a little nod to her. And then if I bought this tiny house, I was like, I will literally not have any expenses. I'll have a paid car, a paid house, all my credit cards paid off. So to me, it felt like also a really great way to spend that money that, that she had left me. 
Isn't that amazing feeling? I was going to ask that. Yeah, it it changes like you open. Uh, that's where I'm at right now. I have, you know, my I drive a POS car, but it's paid off. You know, I <laughs> point have of a sale. point of sale. <laughs> I was thinking that too. <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> but it's convertible, though. Um, so there's that. Um, isn't that amazing, though, how it changes <clears throat> your entire like you open your eyes in the morning and your first thought of the day is not about money or not about it's just it's such an amazing feeling Mm -hmm. it really is and the only thing that i will probably be paying on until i die is my student loans Hmm. so unfortunately that was not something that i was able to pay off right then but just the fact that i would not have these monthly credit card bills coming in anymore that i knew i would be mortgage free and rent free i mean i can't even describe the kind of freedom that that feels like. So I just, once I kind of got the idea in my head, I was just like full steam ahead at that point. And, and that was because of my mom, because I thought, you know, this is something where in the past I might've thought about it and dreamed about it and, you know, put pins on Pinterest about it, but I wouldn't have actually followed through. And I was like, no, I'm just going to do it. And I just went full steam ahead. Nice. So I presume you you uh, hired a builder to do your house. I did. And where do you live in the tiny house? I mean, like like, do you rent a piece of property, or do you live in a mobile home park, or what? Um. Well, that's a whole another story in and of itself. But I'm actually not <laughs> in the tiny house anymore. Oh. Do you want to know yeah, that? Yeah, story? of course we do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so at some point you were living in it, though, right? I was. Okay. Yes. So, for, so short, for a short period of time. Exactly. Give us the whole rundown. Yeah. What happened? Um, so what <clears throat> happened was I actually I was researching builders for probably about six months and I actually had a totally different builder that I was gonna go with and it took them so long to get back to me with the final quote that by the time they finally got me a final number, it was ten thousand dollars more than my budget <clears throat> and I just was like, okay, I can't go with this person. I'm going to have to start completely over. And what felt like it was meant to be, literally like the next day, I got an email from this other builder that I had contacted months before. And he's like, hey, you know, I just wanted to see if you were still interested. I am all settled now because he had been moving his business. And he was like, I'm all settled. I'm ready to take on a build. So I thought this is meant to be. And started talking to him. We clicked right away. He really just sounded like he, you know, had great ideas for what I wanted. And this was January of 2015. So we just moved, you know, moved forward with everything. And I actually was on um, HGTV. So they came out and they filmed the whole process. And the house was done in June. So I moved in in June of 2015. And I knew when I was going into this, I knew that my builder was brand new. I knew that the only thing that he had built before my house was his model house. Uh Uh-oh. And, Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, no. But I was okay with this because in my mind, I thought, okay, I have a very small budget. He's willing to work with my small budget. And I am a writer, so I'm going to bring him all this publicity in the magazines and the newspapers plus HGTV So I'm sort of helping him get his business off the ground and he's helping me because he's working with my budget. And, you know, and I went and met him and I saw the model house and I liked it. And 
So I really did, you know, have a good feeling about it. I never, never really questioned it. But after I moved in, it was like one thing after another just started going wrong very quickly. Like what? Um, when it would rain, all this dirty water would pour in my kitchen. Oh, no. Um, wow. Door hand, like cabinet doors were coming off in my hand. Oh. The overall seal on the house was terrible. So I would be sleeping in my loft and there would be crickets crawling on the ceiling like two inches from my face because the seal was just terrible so that it was like infested with bugs almost immediately um the plumbing was done wrong so it was starting to like back up in the kitchen and it was starting to stink and there were things that i didn't even know were wrong like just from my you know viewpoint so a friend of mine, Jewel Pearson, Miss Gypsy Soul. Yeah, we know her. She um, also lives in Charlotte. And so she said, you know, that she would send her guys over because she trusted her team. And she said, let me send them over and they'll walk around and they'll look at your house. So they did that for me. And they found like another 30 or 40 things that I didn't even know were wrong. And once it got to that point, and this was over a period of several months, like I went back and forth with him and and tried to get him to come out and fix different things. And he would sort of help, but it was always just sort of like a, I don't know, just a very, I hate to say it, but half-assed kind of effort. And so by the time they came out and gave me this whole list, and we took pictures, we documented everything, I was like, okay, at this point, I really have to do something because this is my home and this is my mom's money and, you know, I can't live like this. So I actually ended up um, getting a lawyer and demanding my money back and I was very blessed that I had a happy ending and he did actually give me my money back. Hmm. So he ended up coming and picking up the house um, in, I want to say October. So I lived there for about five months and he took it back and I moved back in with my roommate that I had been living with before and I like to describe it as like when you've been in a bad relationship Hmm. and you stop dating for a while because you just don't even want to think about it. And then eventually, like, your heart heals, and then you, like, start dating again. That's kind of where I'm at now with signing houses, because I just sort of needed a break and didn't really, like, do much about it. And then now, I would say probably in the last month or two, is when I'm actually starting to collect ideas again and start to look at builders again, because I definitely want to be in another house. There was nothing about the tiny lifestyle that I disliked. It was just the fact that like my house was falling apart. Yeah. You chose (laughs) the wrong, you chose the wrong builder. Right. Yes. Yeah. So speaking of healing and moving along, and I definitely want to put a happy spin on this story as well. So would you like to tell our listeners your, uh, your sewing table story as well? Absolutely. I love that story. I'm, I was <laughs> like, I think I almost cried when I read that story. So, so, yes. uh, it was so awesome. It's pretty crazy. So, um, if you, if anybody has seen my episode of HGTV, you might already know about this table. But, um, when I was growing up, there was an old Singer sewing machine table in our kitchen. And when my mom passed away, my sister didn't want it. And I knew that I wanted it, but I didn't really know where I was living yet. So she was just kind of holding on to it for me. And when I decided to do a tiny house, I was like pretty convinced that I was not going to be able to use this table because there's no space for that. And we ended up adding a rooftop deck to my tiny house 
So it was going to be perfect because then I could put this um, sewing machine table up on the roof and have it like a little place to sit and relax and have a glass of wine. So we had it shipped down to me from my sister and it actually got broken during shipment. So I was pretty bummed out about that, but we had um, somebody come and sort of weld it back together as best he could. And when I moved into the tiny house, I put it up on the roof and it was perfect up there looked great so then when the whole tiny house fell apart that day that he came to pick up the house I put the sewing machine table and like two other things that I owned it was like a mirror and a set of chairs I set it all out on the property where I was staying because I had been staying in the backyard of these people that I went to church with and they didn't actually live on the property they had a house there but it was being renovated so I just took the sewing machine table and the other couple of pieces of furniture and I laid it up against the back of the house. So you couldn't really see it from the road. And he took the house and I was supposed to be coming back two days later with my friend with a truck to pick up my furniture. So, and this is like out in the country. And like I said, you couldn't really see the stuff from the road. It was behind the house. So I thought it would be fine. So we came back two days later and all of my stuff was gone. Like, Without a trace. Stolen. Yep, it was all stolen. And it kind of blew my mind because I'm so, like, not that kind of person that I thought, who in the world, like, walks up on somebody's property and takes stuff that's literally, like, on the porch? But it was obviously gone. So I didn't really care so much about the mirror and the chairs, but I was very upset about my mom's table and... I had the police come out. We did a police report, but I knew it really was kind of, you know, pointless. And I called some of the local pawn shops just to see if anybody had turned anything in, and they hadn't. And I even set up a little alert on Craigslist so that anytime somebody would post something with the word sewing machine table, I would get notified. And it just, you know, nothing happened, and time went on, and I just sort of gave up. And I guess it was about two weeks ago now. Um, I got a text message one night from this girl that was actually working on a couple things in my tiny house for me. She made the sign that I had on the front of my house, and she also made a jewelry rack for the inside. And she had been there when the filming was going on and when the house got delivered. She just was super excited about it, so she just wanted to be there. And she knew about what had happened to my table, and she volunteers at this store here called Habitat for Humanity Restore. Oh, yeah. And it's a place where, you know, people can drop off furniture and home goods and stuff like that. And she texts me, and she said, Jen, I was working as a volunteer last night, and the last donation of the day, these people, this couple from Troutman, which is where my tiny house was, they dropped off a sewing machine table. And she said, and I heard them say, I overheard them say that they had made a new top for it and that they were from Troutman. And she said, so I went over to look at it and she's like, anyway, long story short, I think I found your mom's table. Wow. And she had a picture on the text message, but I couldn't really tell because I mean, they all look alike from a distance, so I couldn't really tell. And I didn't want to get like too excited. So I texted her back and I said, well, ironically, the fact that it got broken is the only way that I'll be able to tell if it's mine because you'll be able to see where it was broken and put back together. Yeah. And 
she said, oh, I didn't even know that. Like, let me go check, you know, first thing in the morning and I'll text you. So she actually ended up texting me pictures the next morning. And sure enough, you could see where the table was broken in the exact places where my table was broken. Wow. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. So I said, you know, don't let anybody buy it. I'll be there as soon as I can. And I got there that afternoon, went and looked at it, and sure enough, it was her table. So it <laughs> it made its way back to me. I have no idea where it was. I don't think that the people that dropped it off were the people that stole it because yeah. they actually did a really nice job of like, they sort of refinished the areas where it was broken and they made this new tabletop for it. So not only did I get it back, but it actually looks even better than it did when I lost it. That's outsourced so amazing. It. Yeah, he outsourced <laughs> it. That's funny. That's so awesome. Wow. So, yeah, the chances of it being dropped off at that store when that girl happened to be working because she was the only one that even knew the story and was, you know, able to sort of butt in and say, hey, wait a minute, don't put this out on the floor. And so, yeah, for all of those things to have to happen, it was definitely meant to be. Maybe your mother had something to do with it. From I think she did. Yeah, right. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So I remember the HGTV show with your tiny house. I remember that. Yeah, I remember the, yeah, and the sewing machine up on that top with a wrought iron um, railing. Yep. Wow. Everybody everybody that saw the episode, they either remember the table Mm -hmm. or the shot glass collection. Oh, the shot glass collection. When I was was at the Jamboree, I had people come up to me and be like, are you the one with the shot glasses? Like, yes, that's me. The purple trim, though, right? Didn't it have bright purple trim as well? Yeah. Shot glasses is the S of fast. so it's it's so wow so i heard that someone said recently on our show that hgtv focuses on new builders is do you remember that that's correct so wow i wonder how many people are having a similar experience um as you had with their brand new tiny house well Well, what she's done um i've I've heard her speak you know extensively about that story and we don't want to necessarily focus on it here but what she has done is sort of taken that experience and now she has gone out she goes out to the various events and talks to other people and sort of warns them these are the types of things that you so she's taken kind of a negative situation and turned it into a positive by saying okay i'm going to educate other people to make sure they don't make the same mistakes or overlook kind of the warning signs. Very cool. Right. So yeah, I- and that's what I was just going to say is actually it has turned into a very positive experience. And I will say that he, my builder, I don't ever think my builder had malicious intent oh, at no. all. I think my builder just really got in over his head mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. honestly was just like overwhelmed. And he did end up sending me an apology letter afterwards, which I very much appreciated. And, you know, I told him I accepted his apology. So there was definitely no hard feelings there. But I I did want to just at least speak to other people about kind of, you know, like Michelle was just saying, some of the warning signs and just things like, you know, I would I would let things slide. Like he would come to me and say, oh, well. I miscalculated and now your couch is going to be like a foot shorter. And I would just go, Oh, well that sucks. But then I would just go, okay. And I would like keep going. And I thought about it afterwards and I'm like, was, was I in like a fog? Like what is wrong with me? I was giving him all this money, you know, don't be afraid to speak up and say, no, I need, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so just little things like that, you know, just what I like to tell people is not to, not to try to take, 
your situation and your desires and fit them into somebody else's mold instead of doing that like take your time until you find someone that will make your dream come true so don't take your dream and like fit it to somebody else's ability very cool if that makes sense so speaking of being in a fog do you think that the pressure of being filmed for television sort of um, pushed you to be more maybe amicable than you would might have been otherwise um Towards the end, yes. I think because the deadline was getting short for the filming. Mm. And so he was really rushing at the end. And I think some of the quality suffered because of that. But I think the fog really was just more with my health stuff that was going on. And if I had it to do over now, I would not do something that major when I was also dealing with a major health crisis at the same time. And... I was just so excited. I didn't want to wait. I, and, and that was my whole life motto at that point was life is too short to wait. So I didn't want to wait and I just wanted to push through. And I was like, well, he's building it. It doesn't matter, you know, if I'm not feeling very well because, you know, I'm just at home and I'm, I can do what I need to do to work on my health while he's building this house. But I wasn't thinking about how that was also affecting like my concentration and my decision-making and things. Cause I do think if I was feeling better physically, I would have been probably more, more aware and just probably, I think stood up for myself a little bit more than what I did. I kind of was like, when you're suffering from adrenal fatigue, the last thing you need is stress because that's kind of what causes the whole thing. Yeah. So I just wanted to keep things like as, you know, peaceful as possible the whole time. Are you are you planning to the so you're you're moving forward with a new tiny house build? Um, I haven't started yet, but I'm done, I'm back in the stages for sure of um, researching builders and collecting photos and stuff. I would love in a dream world, I would love to have a house from Tiny Heirloom. But yeah, come to Oregon and check them out. They're uh, <laughs> probably about twice my budget of yeah, my first house. They're so. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So I, are, are you going to do the same same? Um, design and layout or something different i think i would actually do it different which is funny because the first time i did it i was really dead set on doing a house where the front door was on the short side and i wanted my house to go back you know long ways from when you walked in and now i would do it the opposite now i would definitely do it where the door is on the long side Hmm. and you know you come in and the house goes off to the left and the right and I never would have thought that, but I just, I don't know. I think now that I've seen more of them, I just, I like that aesthetic better. And I think it just feels homier than what I did before. I would I think, love to have a rooftop deck though, again, because yeah. that was pretty sweet. I think Michelle would agree with you on that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. In fact, looking at all the different models um, at the festival that I went to this weekend. Um, yeah. It's, it, there's just, when you enter on the short side, it kind of makes, I think Ethan Waldman said the same thing. You kind of feel like you're living in a hallway. And mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. definitely, I, I prefer the, the entrance. In fact, I'm building my second one now and taking all the lessons that I learned from the first one and applying to them towards the second. But that's not one thing that I changed. I kept that exactly the same. The door's in the same spot. Yeah. It's a lot like mm-hmm. a marriage. The first one is kind of a test one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Except this, this time she didn't, she didn't lose anything. Exactly. <laughs> And she even got her heirloom back. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of heirlooms. So awesome. Um, So we kind of took a diversion from the fast life. And we have about five minutes left in the show. Um, 
how's it going with the business? Oh, it's going amazing. I think that the message really resonates with people. And the whole concept really just behind a fast life is that I wanted people to know that you could have a life that was simplified, you could have a life that was tiny, but that it wouldn't mean deprivation. It wouldn't mean like that you live with, you know, a wooden stool and a pail and you wear cargo <laughs> what, shorts all the time. What's wrong with the wooden stool like, and pail? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, some people just automatically assume that like if you simplify your life or you downsize that you have to give up all this stuff and you have to just deprive yourself. And I wanted people to see with my house especially that I was like, I'm a girly girl. You know, I still have lots of girly clothes in my tiny closet. I have purple trim and a purple front door. You know, I kept my shot glass collection of 150 some shot glasses. <laughs> you know, I kept things that were important to me. I kept my Guitar Hero guitar controllers, which were so awkward to find a place for. But that was important to me because I like to play that video game. And so I just wanted people to know that, like, it doesn't mean that you have to change who you are or deprive yourself. You can still have, you know, things that represent you. You can still have this fun, abundant life. And if anything that the more you strip down, the more you're going to be able to be that person and the more you're going to be able to enjoy that authentic life because you're not going to be just tied down with all of this stuff that doesn't matter anymore. Nice. So I just wanted to really try to change people's perspective. And I think that it's, it's definitely something people are excited about. And just the responses that I've gotten so far are amazing. So it's just I'm really honored actually to be able to share this with people because even if it's something as simple as like there was one girl that wrote me and she said, you know, her husband had been talking about tiny houses forever and she really didn't like want anything to do with it. And I can't even remember what she read. She read, I think my jumpstart guide that you get when you sign up on my website. And it just kind of gives you a real simple little breakdown of sort of how to get started on this life. And she said by the end of the Jumpstart Guide, she was like, I cannot wait for my husband to get home so I can tell him <laughs> I want to do a tiny house. Nice. And it's just stuff like that, I think, that makes it worthwhile. Nice. Are those your legs on on your website? Everybody asks me that. No, they're not my legs. <laughs> they're not? Oh, is that man. your Volkswagen? That's got to no. be. That's not oh, my Volkswagen. But my Volkswagen that is, is Volkswagen. the same color, so that is actually oh. why that I chose that picture. But no, that's just a stock photo of some oh, model's okay. legs. You know what I need to do? I, I, I do kind of like famous hashtag foot selfies all the time. So I, I need to send <laughs> you another picture of my legs and sandals outside go. of my convertible. I like Mark's legs better. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he does have nice legs. I've never seen him actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait a minute! There was that one time in Colorado. At bank, uh -oh. bank camp. We don't tell one that time story. At bank camp. It involved the uh, yogurt wrestling and a towel. I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Is that where you went that I one night? I had extra pills because I was out, so who knows what was happening there. <laughs> Is that where you went that one night? Yeah, that you one didn't night. have dinner with us? <laughs> well, it was Colorado Springs, so yes, live it, it up. There it is. <laughs> well, um, Jennifer, it's been great having you and listening to your stories. What a great journey you've had and are having. And congratulations on your new business, or maybe it's not so new to you. Um, it's new to us because it's the first time we've heard it. Um, let's move on. So uh, <laughs> are we going to – so so listeners, we've got this really cool um, opportunity for you. If you review our show on iTunes, we may read your review 
online, and Mark is over there frantically looking for a review to read. A good one, and I'm not finding any. Oh, crap. So, really? Uh, We're not going to read no, one today? No, we can't be out of good ones already. I, well, you would think, well, maybe this is a reason the listeners need to go give there us go. a That's good. good or not so good write-up. Yeah. Speak your mind. Just let us know. We're Just, tough. Yeah, send it over, and, and we'll read it on the air. But we're not going to do that today because we don't have one, apparently. Mm, that's my fault. Okay, no problem. Maybe the next show? We'll queue you up for the Maybe, next show. Yeah, give, you some head- give me a couple hours notice. Give okay. you some heads up. <laughs> First time doing this. <laughs> All right. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the show. It's wonderful having you. And um, Thank you, Jen. I love your story. Thank you yeah. very Thanks, much. It's awesome. It was awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, uh, Tiny House listeners, tune in next week. We're going to be talking with someone cool and interesting, as we usually do. James with Eldon the Bus. Oh, we know who it is. Awesome. The Bus Man. Yeah, we're actually talking with him next today. James with Eldon the Bus. (laughs) It's a bar bus. Eldon the Bus. I'm looking forward to seeing that one or hearing about that one. All right. Man, I I got a lot of editing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) All right, you guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Be good to each other. Namaste. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Main. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs>